I'm sorry, brother. Sorry that I brought you into this. I just wanted things to be the way they used to be. That's my brother, Will. I could use some help. My wife needs this surgery. This is real life. How's that right? You put your life down on the line for this country? You leave your family, your home? How much do you need? 231. How about more? 32 million. I need an extra man. I came to you for a loan. Look, have I ever gotten you anything that I couldn't get you out of? It's time for you to do something for your family. What can I do you for, officer? We're just doing a transfer in the back. I'll let uh, you in in 20 minutes. Uh, if I could just get it done real quick, because I'm on the clock, promise not to rob the place. Oh. <laughs> Seriously, because that would be bad for my job. <laughs> I promise. All right, okay. All right, all okay, right, come all on. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, 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 uh. Let's go, Dave. You are all gonna have the greatest story to tell at dinner tonight. Get out! Don't shoot a cop! Go, 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 go! Lock everything down. Nothing gets out. All the leaves are brown. I got a cop shot. I got to get him to the hospital. I'm going to need you to help us. Why don't you help us? We're doing hostages now. We're not crashing into this ambulance. We got a brother cop on board. Do you have EMT experience? Combat three eyes. You're a soldier. Yeah. We are trying to save you. One, two, three. Hey! Don't you move! You think you're so tough with that gun? No, Daddy, relax. I gotta get back to my wife and my son. Does your wife know you're up, Banks? We're not the bad guys. We're just the guys trying to get home. We don't get to walk off into the sunset. Danny, everybody knows how dangerous you are. Do you? Get your helos out of here now! I'm gonna get you back home, little brother. I'm gonna get everybody home. And welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. And on deck for today's episode, my review of the new film Ambulance, directed by Michael Bay and starring Jake Gyllenhaal. You'll get my thoughts and probably not so much spoilers because the movie actually officially opens this Friday in theaters everywhere. But I got invited to a special screening tonight, so you'll get my early thoughts on it. But first... Adrenaline in my soul. WrestleMania was a badass show. Yes, I am a mark for them today. Whoa. I have got to talk about the incredible WrestleMania that happened this past weekend 
two nights, Saturday and Sunday. Um, in my own head, I thought WWE really needed to deliver on this WrestleMania. Like this was a very important show for them to pull off and, and make it really entertaining and good. Um, and I say this only because all the momentum, and you've heard me on this podcast. I mean, a lot of the stuff that WWE has been doing for the last couple of years has just been very poor product. And, you know, they're sprinkled in good moments here and there. But for the most part, it's been pretty bad. I've been off and on with it, for the most part, off for like the last year and a half. We're all tuned in here and there. But, of course, for WrestleMania season... Uh, some, somehow it always draws me in and I'll watch, you know, weekly, although I don't watch a lot of it. A lot of it's fast forward. There's only certain superstars that I really do like to pay attention to. But for the most part on this podcast, I've been telling you how I've been getting a lot of my wrestling fix from AEW, All Elite Wrestling. Now, ever since the arrival of CM Punk and Brian Danielson and many others that have trickled on in who used to be in WWE, um, AEW is just you know, stacked up an amazing roster. You know, Tony Khan has done a good job of presenting us these wrestlers and giving us great storylines that we can sink our teeth into, as well as great wrestling too, right? Because I want the whole thing to be good. I, I want all of wrestling to be good. I'm Again, I've, I'm not one of these weird fans that are like pro one company and anti the other. Like, I think that's so stupid when I see people that are pro WWE only and anti AEW or pro AEW and anti WWE. Like I that to me that's just stupid. Me, I'm a fan of all wrestling. To me, I think it's best when everything is awesome. So, with that being said, um I really thought WWE really needed to, to deliver with this WrestleMania. And by god, like unbiasedly, they did it. Like what a great two-night event. Was there stuff that didn't hit? Of course. You know, there's Rarely a time where a a wrestling show is perfect top to bottom. AEW has done a couple of them, but you know they're not flawless either. But WWE pulled it off. Like what a great show! Like it was super fun. So let's start off with night one. Let's talk about the stuff that I did like about the show. Um, so I'm a stickler for not just the wrestling part of it. I know for some people like that's the end all be all. It's got to be like the five-star matches and the Meltzer ratings and all that stuff. Like, that's all cool and all. Like, I can have my awesome matches. But there's also other things about pro wrestling that I love to to dig into and stuff that will just make me pop. Like, you know, I'm a fan of everything. Like, the pageantry, the presentation, the music, everything. So I want to start off with the intros that were for WrestleMania. So they haven't been as wow as they were in the past. Like, me and my buddy used to pop real big for them when we were, like, in our younger days, probably, like, middle school, high school. And we were all about, like, how man, how's the show going to begin? Are they going to put an awesome video package? And WrestleMania used to be really good at delivering those. Over the last, like, couple of years, maybe probably for a decade, they've kind of just been lackluster. And some of them haven't been very memorable. Like, I couldn't tell you probably post-WrestleMania 30, like, what how the intros have been. Uh, This year was very... Very interesting. Uh, they got big time Hollywood actor Mark Wahlberg to, to not only narrate the video, but he appears in it like kind of like a, the way they, they do for the Super Bowl and they have like these big superstars and they're hyping up both teams and they're giving you this awesome presentation of everything that's about to go down. 
So Mark Wahlberg, they got him for for this WrestleMania, and he does both nights, and he's talking about, like, again, he's hyping up the superstars. He's hyping up the matches that are going to happen. And WrestleMania recently has gone into doing two-night events. So I think they started with WrestleMania 36. It was the year we went into the the pandemic. So they've done two nights uh, since then, and probably going forward, that's the way it's going to be because it's just a lot of money to be made over WrestleMania weekend. It's just incredible, folks. Like Dallas, Texas brought in i want to say at least over 200 million in revenue for the city of dallas just by having wrestlemania uh hosted in that city so come on san antonio get off your ass we need a land or wrestlemania at some point here because not only is it just great for the wrestling community i think the hispanic audience is very like underutilized in terms of like wrestling promoters and stuff not thinking that we can draw for them we can draw for them, and especially imagine a WrestleMania here. Everybody would come out for it. But okay, so sticking sticking with the whole like they went to the whole two night event thing. Economically, it makes total sense. I know there's people that are that want it to be a one night thing, but when it was a one night thing, y'all complained that the show was too long. So now you split it into two nights and you get two four hour shows. Four hours is fine. Like that's the way WrestleMania is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a little bit. Longer than your traditional uh, live event, premium live event, right? They don't call them pay-per-views anymore. Um, that's the way it's supposed to be. So I'm cool with it. So, you know, I'd rather have that than one long-ass eight-hour show, which before the pandemic, the WrestleManias had been running that long and they were draining. So I think this is just great overall. So, again, you're not going to win-win with everybody. There's always going to be people complaining, so you can't satisfy everybody. But in terms of economically, for business... This is the way to go for WrestleMania. This is the evolution of it. It's no longer just a one-day affair. It's an entire week, right? They have all these different events in the host city throughout throughout the entire week. Um, and then you have the Hall of Fame. You have NXT. You have uh, Axis and all the events. And then you have the two nights of WrestleMania. Like, it's just a lot of money. You can't get away from that. That's the future. That's the evolution. I'm good with it. But back to Mark Wahlberg. Again, he just nailed it with the with the hype you know, it's one thing to get like celebrities involved for WrestleMania to do this kind of stuff. Like I remember WrestleMania, I think thirty-one, they brought in LL Cool J. LL Cool J is fine. He's a he's a fine celebrity actor, rapper, uh, whatever you want to refer to him as these days. He did the intro, and it just I don't know. I, I didn't feel the goosebumps for it. I just didn't. It was just a guy narrating the stuff that was going on. Mark Wahlberg, you could tell, like, was into it and was selling you on it, selling you, uh, selling you in mass, right? Like, not just for the diehard wrestling fans, but for just anybody that's watching WrestleMania just as a casual viewer. Like, he sold it perfectly with, uh, the main event of Roman and Brock to the return of Stone Cold Steve Austin to Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey and so on and so forth. Did a tremendous job with that. And usually when they've started these two night events, the intros have been the same. So when night two came around, I was already like super just enthusiastic about night one and how Mark Wahlberg did for that intro. I was like, I don't mind seeing that again. And just when I thought it was going to be the exact same one, like he does like a different scripted uh, presentation. And he's talking about like, oh, like, you know, the sequel sometimes is not as good as the original, just referring to night one. And he's recapping everything that's happened there. And then he goes into everything that's going to happen uh, on the night two. Uh, I mean, he just absolutely killed it. Um, not just because it was for this WrestleMania in Texas. And for me, I always pop for anything more in Texas is feels a little more special to me only because I'm, I live here in the state of Texas. 
But um, hope, hopefully in the future that they go back to this and they go back to, you know, either Mark Wahlberg returns or get another celebrity that's really going to put some like effort and some oomph into it. So this was the first time where I'm like, oh, shit, like this feels like a huge ass WrestleMania and, and important. And, and certainly there was a lot of important stuff that happened on this show. Don't get me wrong. But just from a feeling aspect of it, just WWE killed it. And of course, they're always the absolute best with production videos. So hands down, like. For this diehard wrestling fan, like, I popped for that. So good job on that. That's one. Uh, secondly is just, uh, the look of the stage and just, it has to feel different, right? Like, it has to feel like a WrestleMania and it can't just be like any other event. So for the most part, like, Raw and SmackDown have the same entrance stage and the, the other premium live events, like your Money in the Banks, your Elimination Chambers, uh, your Royal, well, not so much Royal Rumble, but like, you know, anything else that's not WrestleMania, like, they kind of have, all have the same entrance. And again, back in my younger days in my fandom and, you know, during the Attitude Era and all that stuff, like, WWE was very good at presenting different styles of entrances for their events. You know, they made them unique. But now it's become very standardized, very corporate-ish, very, like, brandish, um, and not very unique and creative. Uh, but for WrestleMania, the creativity is still kind of there because this is the, the, the show that they put probably most of their money into production value wise. And I thought the entrance stage was incredible. Like it lit up perfectly with the blue and everything just to signify that they were in Texas blue, obviously associated with the Cowboys because they are in Cowboy stadium, but there was a certain elegance to it that it just, it felt like a huge WrestleMania stage. And again, it was a nice welcome back because the last two years we've been in this pandemic, you know, obviously WrestleMania 36 was in their performance center, which was like a little warehouse. So again, it was the weirdest WrestleMania ever, but considering the circumstances, we had to deal with whatever it was. So you couldn't criticize it too much. Last year, they were in Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay, Florida. Um, and we're, st- we're still in the pandemic. So it wasn't like a full crowd and they were in a football stadium. So I think it was only around like, 25,000 people that were allowed into the, into the stadium for both nights. Um, and again, it just didn't feel just as an overall look and presentation like a real WrestleMania. Um, but this year it's back to like what it was pre pandemic. The crowd looked awesome. They were into it all night on both nights. Um, I think around 65,000 people on both nights, which is the actual paid attendance. Uh, WWE likes to inflate their numbers. So, Whenever they, and I, I fell for this too, right? All along watching WWE for so many years, but now with the, with the, you know, with Twitter and everything having access to information, there's this site that I follow and they follow like the exact numbers to a T on what they sell for like live events. And that's for everything, Raw, SmackDown, AW, Dynamite, Rampage, all that stuff. And they get you like the exact numbers of, of what they sell for these shows. And, uh, I get also follow the observer and Dave, Dave Melter's also always kind of been on track with what the actual numbers for shows are. So WWE touted like 78,000, I think for night one and then night two, somewhere around that range. Not the real number. Um, t stadium can hold over a hundred thousand people. Uh, and I know this because George Strait did a show there and sold it out with that amount of seats. So it's, it's doable. So around 65,000 was the actual attendance for WrestleMania. And not bad because you looked at the way the stage was set up and everything. And it still looked like completely sold out. So again, that's another plus for me. The presentation look of it. It looked like a full WrestleMania 
like pre-pandemic. So happy with that. Um, and it was also a traditional WrestleMania, at least for night one, traditional build. You know, nowadays, like, match orders are very weird. And sometimes what you think will be the main event sometimes will open the show. I remember one WrestleMania where the WWE title match opened the show. I believe it was like Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins. And it was the first match on the show. I was like, whoa, that's like a main event. What is that doing at the opener? So it's been weird like that. And it, it used to be like the the championship match would always go on last. And, and it would build up to it, right? And this year, it felt like an old school WrestleMania where you had your like not so important matches. And everything kept building as it kept going up the ladder. And then all the way to what uh, ended up being the main event of night one, which was uh, the return of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, and I'll get to that in just a bit. Um, so I like that. That was another check on the box for me. It's an old school traditional. Again, it's little things for me. It's it's not just the wrestling. It's the way how is the show being presented? How are we building up to our main events? So again, WWE, good on the intro, good on the stage and presentation, the audience look of it. Uh, the crowd reaction was awesome. Um, the match of the whole weekend was probably... Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair for the uh, Raw Women's Championship. And Becky Lynch has just been on a whole other level ever since, you know, she just broke out and turned into the man character and now has evolved it into a heel character with the big time Bex. And she's been like this incredible dominant champion for over like three years, even though she left for a while to go have a baby, but she hasn't really ever been beaten for the championship or just been beaten, period. So there was a huge buildup for that. The emergence of someone like Bianca Belair, who's an incredible talent, and she main evented WrestleMania last year with Sasha Banks, which I thought was one of the match top matches of the year. An incredible main event. She became the champion there. Again, we're still in the pandemic, so they she didn't really get to have her reign in front of crowds and all that stuff until like towards the tail end, which was in SummerSlam. Uh, of last year which saw the return of becky lynch from her pregnancy and then she beat bianca belair in like a couple of seconds everybody was mad about it but in my mind i was like okay let's let's see if if they're gonna play it out and see what happens obviously they had a couple of a couple of little rematches here and there but they weren't really anything they were always like you know disqualifications and interference and whatever there was always shenanigans so eventually becky moved on to different feuds and then bianca worked her way up you know she actually did go back to like the bottom of the ladder but worked her way up again and if you paid very close attention to what was going on on raw with her she was like beating opponents and and working her way up right like in the contendership ranks and um yeah so finally we we come to wrestlemania and they're finally gonna have the match i'm like man like i hope and this would have been total WWE for for them to do was to do the the reverse right of what they did at SummerSlam, where Becky beat Bianca in 26 seconds. And my fear was that this match was going to be the opener, and it was going to be the opposite, where Bianca would beat Becky in like a record amount of time. But I'm glad that didn't happen. They let them have a traditional championship match. There was no interference, nothing. It was just a, a heel versus a baby face that everybody loves and Becky Lynch you know proved me wrong she made the heel character work now would I rather cheer her as a baby face absolutely will I still cheer her on as a heel absolutely because I think she's just incredible overall but she made it work and she made the audience like boo her and not like her 
And what I liked about this championship match and the build to it, what it, it was like, again, it was old school. It was like two people that you wanted to see beat the shit out of each other, and they were killing each other along the way to their match. You know, it wasn't just like promos and all that stuff. Like they were physically like beating up each other and, you know, killing each other with chairs and Bianca Belair cutting off Becky Lynch's hair after Becky tried to do it to her. So there's like animosity and bad blood. So and that's kind of what I want in my in my wrestling. And and I get that in AEW, but it was again nice to see in WWE for once for them just to have this old school type of build up to a match where it wasn't just like, oh, I'm the number one contender and you know back and forth promos just doing like the same old shtick. Like, no, this was two characters uh that just believe they're the absolute best. But they also hate each other on the way up there. And they just had this classic matchup. And I, I think I'm not the only one. It, it's been The match has been universally praised. It, 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 I think it's one of the top ten matches of the year so far. Obviously, we got a, a long way to go. We're barely at the start of April. And I'm sure we're going to see a lot more. But as far as, like, not just for women's, but also, like, just overall, like, Becky Lynch has been having some of the best matches, like, in, in all of, of wrestling. But for sure in WWE, like the women sometimes steal the show over over the men, and it's been, that's kind of been the case ever since Becky and all those like really rose to the top. So good job by them, uh, and Bianca Belair got the win. You know, I think it was it was the right move. Um, but I want to see what the follow up is going to be. I know Bianca can be a good champion because she can she has all the all the attributes, right? She has her character. She knows what she is. She can talk on the mic, and then of course she can wrestle, and she's just like a athletic freak. Like her strength is just incredible, and I'm curious to see what the follow up is going to be with Becky Lynch. Whether it's going to be like a feud that they're going to have again for a little while of Becky trying to chase back the belt, or you know, I, I would like to see Becky go into something new because I feel like this was the culmination of a almost a, a year storyline. So I'd like to see Bianca go into different stuff, maybe with a heel Rhea Ripley, which they teased on Monday Night Raw. That'd be something interesting. There's history there between them two. Um, Becky, I want to see, maybe she'll become a baby face again uh, because she's undeniably like that good. Like, yeah, she had this heel run, but, and it's, I know it hasn't been a year yet. And usually they kind of remain heels when they turn for a little while, but I would be okay if Becky Lynch went back to being a baby face because, uh, the crowd just eats her up. Like they, they love her and everybody knows. I know that she's the best women's wrestler on that roster over a Charlotte Flair, over a Ronda Rousey. Like it's just undeniable. She, 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 she's just the entire package. Like, and I met her like in real life and that, that you could feel that just superstar esque out of her. Like she's just that, that great and, and one of the all time greats. Like she's, She's already cemented herself as one of the absolute best and, and and top superstars of all time. So hats off to both of those ladies. Match was phenomenal. And I like that it was a traditional old school matchup. Um, the other thing out of night one that was incredible was uh, the Seth Rollins matchup. And who is he going to face at WrestleMania? Now, we all had our assumptions of what we probably thought it was going to be. But knowing WWE, they could always pull the rug from us. And completely swerve us and completely fuck us over. But they delivered. It was the return of Cody Rhodes. But not only the return of Cody Rhodes, 
but the return of the Cody Rhodes that had grown outside of WWE, who had done all of his independent wrestling routes and, you know, jump jumping from promotion to promotion, as well as helping to launch AEW as one of its prominent stars. Um, he turned himself into a main event level performer. Uh, he bet on himself and he, he did it. And obviously towards the end of his AEW run, like it, it was kind of like lackluster for him, but you know, he also felt it, he was on his way out. So now was the perfect time to try to come back, knock on the door of WWE, see if they would take him back. And, and not only that, but have him come back as the persona he's grown over the last like six or seven years that he's been away. And obviously everybody's fears like, well, he's going to, he signed and maybe they're going to bring him back and they're going to try to, you know, give him one of his old gimmicks, change up his music, change up his look. And no, when, when he came out for WrestleMania against Seth Rollins as a surprise opponent, he came out with everything exactly the same, same entrance music, which I believe he owns the rights to. So that won't be a problem with WWE like using it. So, uh, that's awesome. Um, just the way he comes out, like he rises from, from the stage, kind of like an Undertaker, uh, Ray Mysterio type thing. Like, so he had the exact same presentation like he had in AEW. And of course, the entire crowd popped hard for it. Um, I saw it on my phone, I think, cause I, I had a hard time watching the replay cause I didn't get to watch it live. I had events with my daughters this past weekend. So, uh, caught it really late. Um, but it wasn't available on my version of the Peacock app on my television. So I had to watch it early Sunday morning on my phone. And even then on my phone, like it sounded pretty loud. I was like, man, I can't wait to watch this on my TV. And wow, like what a pop, what a WrestleMania moment. Now, whether Cody Rhodes ends up being presented like awesome, uh, time will tell on that. Like we're going to have to wait and see it play out. But if you want to talk about like a WrestleMania moment to show like that he has arrived as a as a main big star because again he had a WWE run before he left seven years ago, but he's done like all these different characters and gimmicks, and he made him work like regardless. He got everything over, but he still wasn't seen on the level of like a you know like a Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns or um, you know Brock Lesnar just on that level of like a big time star and. That's exactly how he was presented on Saturday night. And it was just incredible. The pop was huge. Everybody happy to see him. Totally the opposite of the way he was being. I mean, he was presented as a big star in AEW, but the difference was that I, I, I don't get it. And I still don't get it from fans that were just booing him and, you know, just absolutely didn't want to see him on, on TV. And I, I don't understand that. And sometimes I can say AEW fans are fickle and weird. Um, but this was a guy like that would put stars over, didn't hog up like main event TV time, didn't bury anybody. Uh, like for example, the Young Bucks, like who the fuck have they ever put over? Yes, I'm calling out the Young Bucks. Great tag team, great wrestlers and all that stuff, but who the fuck have they ever put over as huge stars? Um, you know, freaking Cody Rhodes from the moment he got there worked with a lot of the younger talent. And now we see them as kind of big stars in that promotion. Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara. Uh, the first huge match that got a lot of acclaim from AEW was the match Cody Rhodes had with his brother Dustin at Double or Nothing, their first annual pay-per-view. A lot of that rode on the shoulders of Cody Rhodes and building up these new stars. So he did a lot for that company. So I, I don't understand those fans that like turned on him or just booed him for every little thing that he was doing. And I get it. You pay a ticket, you can boo who you want. But 
also sometimes it's got it's got to be justified too like i don't know wrestling fans are weird and i never understood it i i always enjoyed cody regardless of where he was whether it was in wwe as dashing cody Rhodes or stardust like he did a tremendous stuff with all that because again he got all that stuff over he knew how to make stuff work um did everything work in AEW? no there was a couple of things that didn't work under him but for the most part like everything was always entertaining from him and he made stars as he was going up again he wasn't winning all the time so i don't get it so i'm happy for him i'm absolutely happy for him in the way he was presented at wrestlemania and the fact that the crowd welcomed him back and, and with open arms because this could have gone like completely sour maybe it could have been just a reflection on him in general you know the crowd could have easily sh- either shit on him or he could have gotten like the littlest reaction which would have been like well, well what a dud that was like who cares but now that that happened it's like oh man like we got something here and again he bet on himself he could have easily stayed in aew continued to help develop the younger talent and still have a prominent spot on that roster but he said you know what no i am a big star I'm going to bet on myself. You can call it arrogance, but to me, that's just confidence. That's just him, like, you know, the balls to leave in the first place. Because he left WWE back when there was no other promotion to go to. Another big promotion, anyways, that like that had a television deal. So he was kind of like the... He was the trendsetter on the forbidden door and, you know, making way for stuff that kind of just rolled the dice and, and eventually led into to the inception of AEW because remember this all started from a a tweet from Dave Meltzer about him saying that like Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks couldn't sell out like a 10,000 seat arena or something like that and that was that's what brought on the all-in pay-per-view and then Tony Khan was uh, a big fan of that and was thinking about starting his own wrestling company because he's like the son of a Jacksonville Jaguars owner Shad Khan so he bankrolled, helped bankroll all of that, and that got started up. And Cody Rhodes was a huge part of that. If he doesn't accept Dave Meltzer's challenge on that, like the ball doesn't get rolling on everything else. Would it have happened eventually? Maybe, but Cody was a huge piece of that puzzle. So I'm grateful for everything that he did to start up AW, to start this health. And again, I'm not saying it's just him. There's a lot of people involved, but he was a huge part of it. You can't deny that. And anybody that tries to deny it or say, no, fuck Cody Rhodes, like, no, you don't fucking, like, you're just a fucking hater for no reason. And, and again, you're one of those weird stands only for pro AEW but anti-WWE, and I, I don't get it. Same thing on the other side. You know, it, it's, it goes both ways. I'm not a fan like that. I want to see all these guys succeed. I want to, I want wrestling to succeed. I want it to be balanced on both sides. I, I hope Cody Rhodes isn't the last person to jump from AEW to WWE or WWE to AEW, you know, by, back and forth. You know, that's just good for for us as an audience because it keeps things fresh. And while, yes, maybe, maybe people got bored of Cody Rhodes in AEW, let's see what, what they're going to do with him in WWE. Like, it's a fresh setting. There's going to be a fresh set of opponents. And I know I'm ju- jumping a little bit ahead. But Monday Night Raw already happened, and he came out and did his his you know welcome back promo and and what his intentions are. He wants to be the WWE champion, and I can't wait for that story to be told. And we'll see how it how it how it is told, right? Like this, that's the only thing, right? Because we all 
And with good reason, we have no reason to trust WWE at this point because of the way they presented their stories. But hopefully with jo- Cody jumping from AEW, this 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 could be the kick in the ass that WWE needs to finally like start turning things around. And they started Saturday and Sunday with WrestleMania by putting on like an amazing show. Like this is the stuff they could be doing like week in and week out, pay per view or premium live event after premium live event. They could they could be doing this. Like the effort is there, and you have the superstars there that that want to make the product better. And I think Cody has always been one of those guys that wants the business to succeed wherever he is, right? He doesn't want to come back to WWE and just have it be whatever. Like, no, he wants to elevate it. He wants to elevate the people around him. And I appreciate guys like that that want to push other people. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, the hand-picked guys like a Roman Reigns or, you know, Brock Lesnar or whatever. It could be the other, it could be, there could be driving forces from, from other people. And Cody Rhodes, I think, is one of those people. And again, I'm glad he's back in WWE I'm glad he got his amazing WrestleMania moment, not just with the entrance, but having a great match with Seth Rollins, who I know I don't care for Seth Rollins all too much, but I know he's a great wrestler, but uh, he's still developing. I think on character, he's not still fully there. Like, I don't know like what his thing is yet. So that, you know, still to be determined. But, you know, if he can work on that, like he can also be one of the all-time greats. Um but they had a great match also. So again, check mark there. Cody Rhodes returns presentation, um, crowd acceptance and another big star in WWE, which is what they need, right? They need stars. Like, um, and we'll get to the end of, of what I think just in general, the overall, um, theme and message of what this WrestleMania was. So that was, that was the other thing. Um, Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey was okay. Um, if it wasn't going to main event the show, then what was going to be the outcome? Like Ronda Rousey returns, wins the Royal Rumble. I thought she was going to face off with Becky Lynch, but maybe they're going to wait a year on that. But, you know, you got to strike while the iron's hot. To me, I still think the big money matches is Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey. And maybe they want to save it for L.A. and Hollywood, I guess. So this year we had to have Charlotte and, and Ronda because, again, WWE just thinks the world of Charlotte Flair. But she's a great talent. Don't get me wrong. Amazing athleticism. She has good matches, but I think as a character and as a promo and as, you know, just her entrance and everything, like it's, it's the same thing. Like evolve it, do something different with it. Like Becky Lynch has evolved her character while still being on top and keeping things fresh. Like she does all these different things. She tries stuff. Maybe it doesn't work all the time, but she tries stuff and tries to do different things where Charlotte Flair is kind of like the same thing. But yet, WWE continues to push her like she's like the be-all, end-all for for the women. And I don't understand it, but maybe that's just me. Um, But again, that match was all right. I don't think it was as good as their Survivor Series match from a few years ago, which actually surprised. Um, But again, the pressure wasn't on them to to make an amazing match because it was originally at that event, it was supposed to be Becky Lynch fighting Ronda Rousey, but other injuries transpired and that couldn't happen. So that match was amazing back then. This one was, it was good enough for the WrestleMania spot. Obviously it had schmas at the end of it and Charlotte Flair retained. So obviously we think that storyline is going to continue uh, again. Ronda Rousey's not back to be part-time. She even stated she's here to be here for the, for the long run. I think she signed like a, a little bit over a year contract. So she'll be at least there all the way up till next year's WrestleMania, which we're assuming 
is going to be the big match with Becky Lynch. But, you know, you never know what's going to happen between now and next year. So, again, people can get injured. You know, people can have a change of opinions on wanting to be there. <laughs> you know, who knows? Whatever. Um, but hopefully, if that's where they're going with it and, you know, you can have Char- Ronda continue to chase Charlotte but not get the better of her, whatever, and then she can move on to Becky Lynch. Or even then, the Becky Lynch-Ronda Rousey matchup, I don't even think it needs to be for a title because they're, they're big enough where you can just build it as just a huge-ass matchup. Like, it doesn't need the championship. And I think not only with WWE but AEW also, they need to get away from women's matches just being about the championship. Like, yes, those are important, but you could have other matches on the card just like the men do, right? You can have big, important one-on-one matchups that have nothing to do with the title, but put women in those spots. They've, de- they've earned it. They deserved it. So just because it there's not a, enough championships like doesn't mean that they can't be on the card also. So they got to look at it like that too. So I think if I do Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey this time around, don't make it for the championship. Just make it a huge ass like one-on-one matchup and I will be fine with that. Um the last uh check mark on WrestleMania was the end of night 1. So we didn't know what this was going to be other than that it was built as the KO show with Kevin Owens and special guest star Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, there had been reports that originally it was going to be a match, but then it was just going to be a confrontation. And, you know, the the seeds were in place for a very long time with Kevin Owens dissing Texas and all that stuff. Then finally he made the challenge to Stone Cold Steve Austin for the Kevin Owens show to be a guest. And Steve Austin put out this video package of him accepting and saying that he was going to open up one last can of whoop-ass on Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. So, again confusing messages on what is this going to be is it going to be a fight is it going to be a brawl a talking conversation that leads to a little bit of a of a you know fist fighting and then you know stone cold does his celebration and then we go home if it was going to be the latter i was like oh that's not going to be enough for me to go to wrestlemania because originally i was planning to go because when i heard he was going to come back i was like <gasps> and, and again this was when it was thought that it was going to be a match right but we don't know. Like, leading into WrestleMania, we didn't know what this was going to be. But we knew it was going to be the main event. So I'm like, I, my head started scratching. Like, well, it has to be something more than just a talking segment, right? But again, it was too late for me to buy a ticket at that time. But whatever. At least I got to see it. So, you know, Kevin Owens comes out. You know, they have the whole setup with the chairs and, the you know, the signs for the show. So I'm like, oh, probably is going to be a talking segment. Austin comes out. Still super over as crazy. And I'm like, how's he going to come out? Is he going to come out dressed like as a wrestler? Um, is he going to come out the way he did at WrestleMania 32 the last time it was in Dallas? He came out in jeans and tennis shoes and this weird Dallas 316 shirt would just like, he looked like a parody of himself. And I was like, my love for Stone Cold Steve Austin, who I think is like my absolute favorite of all time. But my love for him kind of like died where it was like, oh, like this is my childhood dying. Like, He's become a parody of himself. And it was. Like, it was a joke that he did with The New Day and Mick Foley and Shawn Michaels. And everybody liked it because it's, like, nostalgia. But for me, it was like, oh, man. Like, you used to be the ass kicker that just, like, there was no nonsense. And it was just a bunch of, like, you were cool. And that part, it was like, it was like you were, you know, Uncle Steve. Like, that's what it looked like at WrestleMania 32. So, like, my stock value for him like returning and stuff like that it really diminished so anytime that he'd come out on raw like through the years p- post that 
it was just like, eh, you know, whatever. Like, I'll always love Stone Cold Steve Austin, but it'll never, it'll never be like it was when I watched him, like in his prime and all that stuff. So he comes out, right, at this WrestleMania, and he comes out in his jean shorts and the two knee braces and the Austin 316 shirt, and he's got his, you know, wrist tied up in the black wristband tape. It's like, oh shit, like, I think we're going to get a match here. And I didn't think that at first. I was like, eh, they're going to brawl, whatever. So they're, like, talking for a little bit. And Kevin Owens is baiting him and baiting him. And then he says something along the lines like, I tricked you, Steve. I brought you out here because I wanted to challenge you to an actual match. I want to challenge you to a no-holds-barred match here in Texas right here tonight in front of, like, 70,000 people. 65,000 if you're paying attention. And Steve Austin thinks about it for a second. And he's like, get me a damn referee and I'm going to beat up this piece of shit. And the crowd loses their minds. I lost it too. I was like, oh my God, we're going to see an actual match. Like there's going to be a referee. It's not going to just be them battling and, you know, it ends. Like there's going to be a one, two, three in this situation. Like this is legit. This is a, a full on, uh, match that is going to count in the record books. And they had about a 15, I think almost 20 minute like match where they did spots and Stone Cold was getting suplexed on the outside and, Throwing Kevin Owens around and, and Owens getting his shots in on Austin too. So this was, this was what it was supposed to be. It was a Stone Cold Steve Austin classic brawl type of match. And it went all over the place through the crowd, uh, in and around the ring, up the stage, the four, the, the, what is it? The ATV four wheeler that Steve Austin drives around. He drove Kevin Owens up in it. They beat the shit out of each other. Um, they did a bunch of stuff on the stage, came back and, you know, it was a match and it was awesome to see. But you could also see that the age on Steve Austin was starting to show. And that's where I'm, I was like happy and sad at the same time. Because it's like I saw Stone Cold Steve Austin through his entire prime. Like I saw him at the height of his his absolute greatest. And while, yes, it was awesome to see him wrestle one last time, even though like WrestleMania 19, like he was still like, kind of in his in his prime but you know the injuries had piled up and he lost and that's usually how it works in wrestling like you lose your last match and you know traditionally that that's how it's supposed to be and stoke old steve austin said like he liked it that way that it ended that way and that he would never step in a ring again like there was no desire for him to do so even when cm punk was there and that if, if there was going to be a match to happen and bring stone cold steve austin out of retirement it would have been cm punk because they both admired and respected each other Plus, it would have been awesome to see, and we didn't get it. So, I'm very curious as to why Kevin Owens. What was it that you know that was the reason for him to come out of retirement for one last match? But I'm sure, like you know, money probably had a lot to do with it, and the fact that the ticket sales hadn't been that really good for WrestleMania before Steve Austin was announced. But once they announced him, you know, the ticket sales went up, not to the highest degree, like. It would have been in years past, but it still went up. So he was a huge boost to this WrestleMania, and he had to main event if he was going to come back and do a match, which was the only reason, like, when they announced the KO show as the main event, I was like, man, like, it has to be a match. But, you know, it's WWE. can't guarantee anything. And we've been, you know, bamboozled and lied to and have the rug pulled underneath us for so many times. But the fact that they actually delivered on a Stone Cold Steve Austin match was just awesome. So with that being said, night one of WrestleMania was just incredible. Like, like they, they actually delivered. 
and they gave us great moments. And that's what you want out of WrestleMania. Like great fun matches, good storyline builds, good presentation. And then of course the memories that you're going to remember forever. You're going to remember like Stone Cold Steve Austin coming back to do one final match. You're going to remember the Cody Rhodes entrance. You're going to remember the classic between Becky and Bianca Belair, who I didn't even mention Bianca Belair had one of those crazy, amazing entrances with like, uh, I think it was like a college band or high school band that performed her theme song. Again, stuff to just elevate it and make the event feel huge. So just all these different things that made WrestleMania night one, just a classic. And, and it sucks that, WWE is not going to release like home video anymore because I own all my WrestleManias on physical media. And this is one where like, man, I really want to own this on, on a Blu-ray disc. So, um, that sucks on that end. But other than that, it was like super fun. And I'm like, how could they not just, I don't want to say top cause it's hard to even top something that was like as entertaining and fun as this was. But I was like, could it even be as good as this? Was this just like a, was it a fluke? Was it all just based on nostalgia for Austin and, you know, the fact that we take people like Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair for granted that they just pulled out a classic out of their ass and Cody Rhodes surprised? Like, that's like a, just that the way it was presented and the way the crowd reacted. Was it lightning in a bottle? Was that all it was? And then here comes night two. And now the consensus is that everybody loved night one more than night two. But that doesn't mean night two didn't wasn't entertaining also because it was. Um and the first check mark for me for night two is the Johnny Knoxville versus Zami Zayn matchup. Anything goes. And I'm sure for those of you that don't watch wrestling regularly, you're like Johnny Knoxville, the guy from Jackass, the guy that's like over like fifty years old as well. Like how the fuck is he gonna have a match with with Sami Zayn, who's actually an active wrestler? And the thing that I was most excited about this matchup and got me excited for it was the fact that it actually had a traditional build. Like, this wasn't a match that was just thrown together, like, in the last couple of weeks. It's been building since January. So, you know, we all can shit on WWE a lot for storyline bookings and, you know, just ridiculous bookings and, and outcomes and all that stuff. But, and we talk about how, like, oh, they don't do, like, long term or, like, plenty enough, like, build for a storyline. They built this thing up for a couple of months, and they usually they usually haven't done that in a very long time, you know. Uh, and I'll mention again, Becky and Bianca Belair's story was kind of like a year in the making. So long term storytelling there, got to give them the props. And here too, it wasn't a year long, but it was at least months of storytelling for Johnny Knoxville and Sami Zayn, where these two just wanted to beat the shit out of each other, and they made it a gimmick match. So you can take the the pressure off of Johnny Knoxville and trying to deliver a, you know, traditional wrestling match, which we all knew he probably wasn't going to be able to do. So you had to throw in smoke and mirrors and do gimmicks. And this thing completely over delivered. Like I knew like, Oh, maybe Johnny Knoxville will like fall off something and do something a la like Shane McMahon. Right. But no, this turned into like a wacky, like, you know, home alone, cat and mouse and literally mousetrap type of scenario where Johnny Knoxville was doing all these jackass pranks throughout the match with Sami Zayn and members of the jackass team, Wee Man and, you know, all these other characters that got involved in Wee Man delivering another WrestleMania moment and body slamming Sami Zayn, which I think to me could actually replace Hulk slamming Andre and no disrespect to them, but it was like that kind of like crazy moment and, and the crowd ate it all up. 
everybody on on Twitter. Again, I was on Twitter. I saw WrestleMania night two live while it was going. So I was witnessing how everybody was reacting to this match in real time. And everybody was like, holy fucking shit. This is the greatest thing ever. And, and I'm not saying it was the greatest wrestling match ever, but it was the greatest to me gimmick match in the history of WrestleMania in terms of shenanigans and entertainment and spectacle. Like it had all of it. It over delivered. It was great. It was fun. It was everything it was supposed to be. It was stupid, dumb fun. And not all of my wrestling needs to be serious. Like I understand it's entertainment. It's pro wrestling. Like there has to be theatrics and, and, uh, you know, just, like a circus feel to it, like just like shenanigans going on, like stuff that you're just like, whoa, like I would, you wouldn't see this like in a real fight. <laughs> yes, it was, it had a lot of crazy stuff in there. Uh, if you've seen the Jackass movies, if you've seen any of the Jackass pranks, like from the late 90s and, you know, the, the movies that they've done, like there was a lot of that shit in that match and it paid off. It's not everybody's cup of tea, and for those that want to shit on it or have never seen Jackass, like you don't have the right to criticize it because if you did, you would understand a lot of those pranks that happened in the match. Again, it was a bunch of smoke and mirrors. Obviously, Johnny Knoxville has no business being in a wrestling ring doing wrestling, a wrestling-style match with someone like Sami Zayn, but he freaking delivered, and it was awesome. And it was one of the best moments of night two and just overall best moments in wrestlemania history like there's a lot of stuff they can replay here in the years to come in the video packages for this so hats off to Sami Zayn, who did a hell of a job selling for all this stuff and johnny knoxville for you know just he used what he's good at and brought it into a wwe style matchup and a gimmick match and just delivered incredibly so hats off to that um the other thing, and I, there wasn't that much on night two as opposed to night one that I liked, but I think overall as a flow of a show, it was fine. Um, the other thing was Pat McAfee's WrestleMania debut um, against Austin Theory. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that never saw Pat McAfee wrestle in NXT, and this was back when Triple H was still handling things. Um, he did a program with Adam Cole in the Undisputed Era, and Pat McAfee was the the heel in all this, but he's a, he's a guy that's so into wrestling. He's been a fan his whole life. He even bought an actual wrestling ring and had been doing training and all this stuff, all in the lead up to the stuff he did with Adam Cole in NXT. And it was great. Like this guy understood everything about pro wrestling, the the promos, the in ring work, just the overall bravado of being like a what what a pro wrestler should be, and. Obviously, when he he debuted on the main roster, he was the, or he still is, he's the SmackDown color commentator with Michael Cole when SmackDown moved over to Fox. And honestly, it's probably one of the best things that has come out of that era of them moving to Fox is is the um, the chemistry between Pat McAfee and Michael Cole. Pat McAfee brings like a different energy to the commentary, brings like a lot of, it's like a mix of... Um, Jesse Ventura and Corey Graves and Paul Heyman, just stuff like that, like knows stuff about the kind of like the Tony Romo of uh, the way Tony Romo does football, like just with a lot of passion and energy, like the way he would react if he was doing stuff in the ring, like that's the type of energy that Pat McAfee brings, although he does it to like a an insane level, but in a good way, like it's not to the point where it's like, dude, like settle the fuck down, like no, 
He knows how to be serious when stuff's going on, but he knows how to elevate stuff too when shit's going down or where there's like a moment where it may not be resonating with the audience, but he can sell it to make it feel big. And with him doing that, it's kind of like revitalized Michael Cole too, and he feeds off of that too. So um, he he has this matchup here with uh, Austin Theory. And, of course, Pat McAfee here is the baby face because everybody loves him on, on color commentary and, you know, he plays to the crowd all the time. Um, so he was obviously going to be the good guy here. And if everybody that was surprised that Pat McAfee was able to pull off that stuff, like I wasn't because I saw it in NXT. Like I knew when they announced him for WrestleMania, I'm like, dude, he's watch. This guy's going to like wow this crowd. And when he does this stuff in the ring, people are going to be absolutely shocked. And they were. And good that everybody has finally gotten to see that Pat McAfee is not just like a celebrity that they brought in to do like a match. Like this is a guy who is super passionate about everything and just knows the business and understands it. And even his entrance was incredible. Like he came out to the White Stripes Seven Nation Army along with the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. Like that's just an awesome WrestleMania moment in itself. Like I'm living vicariously through him because I've always like, you know, I've always imagined myself like having a WrestleMania match, you know, just as all of us fans have probably envisioned ourselves in the event. Like he actually got to live the dream out. So not only like living through him, but also just like he's just an overall amazing entertainer. And I hope it's not the last time that he gets to have a match there because he brings credibility and he loves professional wrestling and he gets it. That's the most important part is that he gets it. Um, all the shenanigans that happened happened afterwards with Vince McMahon and then Stone Cold Steve Austin coming out, like that was all fun, but it was also like a little bit too much. But it was all fun. Like Pat McAfee got stunned by Austin. Everybody got stunned by Austin, right? Beer bash, celebration, like that's what you want. Like good for the crowd at night two that didn't get to go to night one, so they get to at least see Steve Austin. So that was a a big thumbs up. And of course, it, for us as the fans, like yeah, that's just more Steve Austin for us to see. Like cool. This is his farewell. This is his send-off. And the rest of the WrestleMania show was fine. I think the only downer was the Roman Brock main event, which kind of like they built it up as the biggest WrestleMania match of all time. Again, I rolled my eyes, like not even close in terms of like hyper build. Like Rock or Brock and Roman compares nothing to Austin versus Rock or, you know, anything involving like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels or you know, whatever, even the early, like, Hogan Warrior, like, nowhere as big as that. Like, just not even close. But that's the way WWE wants to build it. That's fine. Whatever. But the match, it was what it was. This was the third time these guys were facing at Mania. Um, and you could say, like, well, Rock and Austin faced three times, too. Yeah, but it was always epic also when they met up. It wasn't like they were fighting all the time. Um, like, Brock and Roman have faced so many different times, so there was nothing, like, special in terms of like what are we going to see in this matchup like we've seen it all we've seen everything out of these guys but this was finally like the end of the storyline that had been building for so many years and you know them unifying the titles and of course we all know that's probably not going to be unified for long at at some point raw is going to have to have their own championship so whatever they're going to do with that whatever but um yeah that was probably the only downer of mania the match was just whatever Luckily, it wasn't long, so it finished quickly, and then the the night ended off. But, of course, night one was a classic, but night two was still, like, entertaining all the way through. Like, it wasn't as, like, classic and as 
satisfying, except there was a few spots in night two, but overall night one just was overall like just as satisfying of a WWE show as you can get. And again, I'll give them credit where credit's due. I've been on this podcast like shitting on them for a very long time. And I don't want to shit on them. I don't again I'm not one of these fans that's like pro AEW but anti WWE or pro WWE and anti AEW. Like I'm not like that. Like I want it to all be good, so I'm super happy that WWE went all out for this WrestleMania. But the only thing that for them now is they need to focus on the future because I think they've exhausted all of the nostalgia because even The Rock has returned already, right? They, it, we're celebrating 10 years since they did the once-in-a-lifetime match with uh, Rock and Cena. I think even The Rock coming back wouldn't be as big because he's been back already. I think the last thing for them, uh, for someone coming back, was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like That's as big as you can get. He's the biggest star in wrestling ever. And he had his farewell match, and it was kind of like a closing of the gap. Same thing with like Vince McMahon. He had a match, too, that was... That was part of the shenanigans with Pat McAfee. So I felt like this was the closing of that gap or just at least them exhausting all of that nostalgia, that final. They were squeezing the last toothpaste out of the, out of the tube. So it's like, what are they going to do now? Like, they got to build for the future. And I think in the interim future right now, like, your big star that you have right now is Cody Rhodes. Like, you can't mess that up. You have to deliver on that and you have to. Present him as a guy that's a credible foe, whether it be for a Roman Reigns or whoever they decide to have be the champion of Monday Night Raw. I think that's where Cody Rhodes is going to be. But for as long as they have the unified titles, I think Roman's going to be on both shows. But that remains to be seen how they're going to do all that stuff. But I would love to see Cody Rhodes actually be the one to beat Roman Reigns. I know everyone's like, oh, they're going to save it for The Rock at WrestleMania next year and... But honestly, what would be the point of The Rock beating Roman Reigns? We know Rock's not going to be a full-time superstar, right? He's too busy in Hollywood. Like, too freaking busy. Like, there's no way. And I wouldn't want this guy that would be champion and then leave like the way Brock would do it. He would be the champion and then go away for months on end. And there would be storylines going on. And there's nobody chasing the title. It's just matches. So I don't see what everybody's deal is on it wanting to be The Rock to end Roman Reigns' as reign as a you know the unstoppable champion have it be one of these guys have it be a cody rhodes you know you have a lot of building up to do to rebuild like seth rollins and kevin owens and you know a bobby lashley or whoever drew mcintyre these guys have all kind of been you know they haven't been utilized properly so they need kind of a reset as well but right now you have the freshest guy cody rhodes and although he's not like the youngest guy, but he's the youngest that they got right now in terms of like a big star. So they should do something with that. So hopefully they learn. But again, I have to give him credit where credit is due. They pulled off an amazing WrestleMania this year. And I'm not saying like it's a top five WrestleMania or anything like that, but it, the last great WrestleMania I can remember. And this was what the 38th edition of WrestleMania. The last one I can remember that was really good was WrestleMania 34. But again, I'm a bit biased because that was the one I went to live for the first time. So maybe a lot of it was that. And I haven't really revisited back like watching it on Blu-ray to see how it holds up. But other than that, before that, it was probably WrestleMania 30. WrestleMania 28. Like it's been a while since WWE has pulled off a really 
memorable WrestleMania. Like, not just a mania where it's like, oh, it was WrestleMania, but you don't remember anything about it. Like, this has a lot of rewatchability. The stuff with Austin, the Knoxville Zane match, the classic between Becky and Bianca, Cody Rhodes, you know, getting his flowers and getting welcomed back and having a, a great match with Seth Rollins. You know, the intros, the, the presentation, the stage, the, the gravitas. It felt like a big WrestleMania. It felt like a huge show. And it made me forget for a while that's like, oh shit, like AW is the one that's actually been more entertaining. But WWE, and I'm not saying that they're going to have all the momentum now, but they needed something like this to remember, like, oh shit, like when they can turn it on and do like a big show, like there's nothing like them in terms of like production value and just presentation. Like there's nothing like them. And maybe one day AEW will get there, but they're not there yet. But they're, they put on great shows, but they're not there yet in terms of, production value and you know they do great packages and stuff but if we're talking overall like big budget presentation of a show like wwe is still like the show and wrestlemania this year felt like it hats off to them i've given them plenty of credit and uh yeah bravo and again it's all to me it's all about the follow-up this could be the turning point for them if they choose to be but time will tell on that They've given me no reason to believe that based on their hit recent history, but I would love to be finally proven wrong and then finally get the kick in the ass and let's get it going. Let's have a real wrestling war. Let's get some balance. Let's have it be all great for the audience because because we're the true winners in the end. Like not them, not AEW, not WWE. We, the fans, are the biggest winners in all of this when it's all good. So. Uh, that's going to do it for my WrestleMania wrap-up. <laughs> I went almost an hour. I can't believe that. I thought I was just going to do a quick recap, but apparently there was a lot about this WrestleMania that I like. So if you haven't seen it yet and you've been turned away from WWE or wrestling for a while, go watch WrestleMania. I think you can watch it. I didn't know this. I didn't know Peacock. I didn't know on the free version you can actually watch Mania, which is why there was weird like intercuts because I have the premium one, even though that's not expensive. I think it's only like 5 bucks, And... uh but there was a lot of packages and commercials in between. But apparently that's because people that get Peacock for free can watch WrestleMania. So you can almost see the premium live event for free, but you're going to get ads. So that's why. And I'm always, I was always wondering, like, why is there so many video packages in between matches? That's why. So get Peacock, watch his WrestleMania. A lot of fun. Even if you're not a diehard fan, if you're just a casual and you got nothing to do, you got nothing to watch. There's all this different content out there. Watch this WrestleMania. It's a lot of fun. Let's take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to review Ambulance, starring Jake Gyllenhaal from director Michael Bay. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. Where are my manners? Sonic, meet Knuckles. So nice when diabolical evil lives up to the height. Welcome back to the show. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 will be the other big movie opening this weekend. It'll probably be number one, but I'll talk about that at the tail end. It opens alongside Ambulance starting this weekend. So hopefully, me being a movie theater guy, that we have tremendous business all day, all night. 
for these two movies opening this weekend. But let's talk about the other half, Ambulance, which I got to see at a special screening tonight. Um, I've been really looking forward to this for a very long time. When I saw the trailer, I'm like, yep, I'm in. This looks, this is exactly my shit, even though Michael Bay's kind of like hit or miss for me. Um, let's talk about him a little bit before we get to this. So the Transformers movies, um, obviously that that's the biggest thing that he's ever done. Um, I like the first one. Second one is very, very bad. The third one, I was a, I'm one of the few fans that I think like it. Everybody that I talk to, like, doesn't really talk about part three, but I thought it was a really good, like, part three in a movie. Um, I haven't revisited it in a while, but I, every time I've seen it, I, I don't not like it. I'm like, oh, this is entertaining enough. I can watch it. Um, the bad boy stuff, never been into, even though I like part three, but he didn't direct that one. Um, Armageddon is one of his classic disaster movies. Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, you know, just, it, it's a classic genre movie and big movie stars, popcorn flick, um, end of the world disaster type movie. Those were huge in the late nineties. So that's a classic for me. Um, there's a very underrated movie called Pain and Gain, which shout out to Roger Trevino. That's one of his favorite movies of all time. Uh, stars Mark Wahlberg and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And that's like Dwayne Johnson doing something different than the usual stuff that he does. Like Dwayne The Rock Johnson can have a very like diverse resume if he really wanted to. Like he can do when he does stuff like that where he's he does like the macho stuff, but he he tweaks it into where he makes the character very interesting and doesn't do the same stuff like a Jungle Cruise or you know, whatever it is that he does, like it, it's, you know, it's usually the same stuff. Skyscraper, you know, he gets very boring very quick. But in that Michael Bay movie, he was very, very interesting. So, you know, again, Michael Bay's hit or miss for me. Like what I can't deny is his action scenes are always incredible. Like he's not so much in the same vein like a Zack Snyder where his is very Zack Snyder is very over the top in like style. Or it's like Michael Bay just likes to blow shit up, but at least he does his stuff like practically. Like he'll actually get cars thrown around and explosions out of windows or buildings or whatever. And now we come to ambulance, right? Like the premise seems pretty basic. Like it's a little bit of a heist movie, but for the most part, it's a it's a chase movie involving an ambulance hence the title of the movie and the highlight of the letters l and a to let you know that it takes place in los angeles so i get into this and i know what i'm gonna i know what to expect like visually right especially for a movie that's going to be like with a lot of chase and a lot of action so like cool i'm gonna get my explosions i'm gonna get like cars getting thrown around but i'm gonna love it because this day and age like People don't really do stuff like that anymore. It's all CGI'd in and it's all in front of green screens and you know, you can tell that it's fake or it's plant or they're acting off a projector or acting off of nothing at all. In ambulance, you could totally tell like a lot of this stuff was done really practically, so it makes the movie feel more authentic and more throwback, which is weird to say, right? It's a movie in twenty twenty two, but yet it looks like a throwback to stuff from like the eighties and nineties or late eighties and nineties. Um and there's a lot of interesting cinematography here, especially because there's a lot of stuff in here that looks like it was shot with a drone, 
but he does it creatively. Like there's people that use drones and they just do like high shots and they're just they're not like wow moments. Like here it's like, oh shit, he's making it kinda like uh like a little bit of a what do you call it? Like a theme park ride. Like they could make ambulance it's a universal movie it's from universal studios um they can make this into an attraction at their theme park if they wanted to like it's that kind of movie where if they turned it into a ride like i'd totally be down to to experience this um i I don't know what the state of universal studios is today i haven't been there probably in decades and i don't know i don't know what they cater to more now but i remember when i used to go you know you had your back to the future ride your terminator your twister your et King Kong, Ghostbusters. I don't know if, if they still have any of that stuff, but if they were going to modernize it and make you, you know, put you like in a thrill ride like type of adventure, Ambulance would be the perfect movie to do that to because there's a lot of that. There's a lot of close-ups, a lot of, you know, it's it's go, go, go. Like this movie is pretty long in length, and I know I, I complain a lot these days about length in movies, but there's times where like you forget what the runtime of a movie is because if it's going and it's and it's on a on a bunch of adrenaline, like you forget about it because it's just boom boom boom. It doesn't waste any time. Now it sets you up really quickly with the characters with like Jake Gyllenhaal and Isa Gonzalez who plays the paramedic. She's like the protagonist in the entire movie. And then, oh, gosh, I forget the the guy's name. The, the other kind of like protagonist teetering on the edge of like should he do this deed with his brother or should he like you know, stick to his moral code and do the right thing. I apologize on the name of the actor, but he's good too. So like they introduce you to these characters real quick and, and people that are going to be vital to the, to the story, which, you know, there's flaws and plot holes that you can really like nitpick if you want to and, and, and shit on it. But like, it's all about really the presentation and the execution of the movie, which is, you know, it's Michael Bay. So I can kind of overlook it because you know, he's going to give you, visually like enough for it to be like entertaining now you're gonna say like well what about why do you why do you do the exception for him on that but Zack snyder you you shit all over well i mean it depends right it depends on who he's got in his movies like you have to have those movies driven by like good actors and like you you put me in a michael bay action movie starring jake gyllenhaal jake gyllenhaal i think is one of the best actors of this generation that's a sell like that's an automatic checklist Zack Snyder, like, it depends. Like, you know, Watchmen doesn't have really anybody that pops. Sucker Punch doesn't have anybody that pops. You know, Henry Cavill, when he did Man of Steel, you know, he wasn't the biggest star yet. And, you know, to this day, he's still not, like, a huge, huge star. You know, Batman v Superman doesn't work without Ben Affleck. And that was probably the best part of that movie. But, again, it's just him. It's not really the movie. So it, it depends. So... And, and I prefer Michael Bay's style over substance over Zack Snyder's style over substance, if that makes any sense. Like, I can tolerate him more than Zack Snyder. Um, so I can overlook a lot of that stuff, like plot holes or whatever. And usually it's like, some of, a lot of it is self-referential. Like, Michael Bay knows, like, his, his parody, right? Like, he knows about Bayhem and, and all that stuff. And for example, in Ambulance, like, there's two characters in the movie that are referencing Michael Bay's own movies. Like, what other director does that? Like, I think they reference The Rock and, uh, Bad Boys in it. It's like, what? The arrogance, but also like the self-awareness of like, knowing how to, how to poke fun at yourself. Um, 
it's just incredible like that just made me laugh and it's one of those like okay cool like check mark for michael bay on that like he's 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 got another another notch for me to like him um jake gyllenhaal is unhinged in this movie and it's exactly the way i like him um i shit on spider-man far from home but jake gyllenhaal is the best part of that movie and especially in the third act when he goes crazy uh he does the same thing here but except it's right from the get-go um he's a tweener like where you want to kind of root for him and like him but also like you know he's doing bad shit too so he's teetering that line and not all actors can do that where they can simultaneously have you like oh shit like he really shouldn't get away with this but also like he's entertaining he's awesome he's funny um so hats off to gyllenhaal on that uh isa gonzalez give me more of her um you know i'm all about the latino community get her in some more movies uh I've seen her in a couple of stuff. I can't really name it off the top of my head, but I've seen her before. Like she wasn't like an unknown, and she really shines here. Like in being the paramedic, she's got some really good dramatic scenes, but also like having to keep up with Gyllenhaal Hall and, and, and being in an action movie. So she does really good here. So I want to see her. Hope, hopefully, she gets some notoriety this weekend from this movie. I, I'm expecting this movie to actually do well. Like it's a good, it's going to be a good crowd pleaser and just something different, right? Because how do I, what do I always preach? Like, we can't, can't be the same movies coming out week after week. You know, I love the Batman, but shit, like another comic book movie? Like, come on, let's get us variety. Let's get us our comedy. Let's get us just regular action thrillers like an ambulance. Like, we need these movies to continue to be made to give us variety. If not, it's just going to be the same stuff here in and here out. Like, I know superhero movies are the thing, and everybody goes and spends their monies on those movies. But at some point, they're going to peak, and it's going to be like, people are going to want different things. So, And if they realize that too late, we're not going to get movies like Ambulance or movies like The Lost City or, you know, you know, just movies like that where it's just different types of variety. Like like this weekend, we got a big video game movie in Sonic and family-oriented. And like, cool, there's that. But there's also Ambulance on the other side for the adults and the grown-ups that want to go see an action-packed movie with good actors and and just you know adult themes and yeah like there's there can be something for everybody so i'm hoping this movie does good weekend and i'm hoping that this movie puts eyes on isa gonzalez for hollywood to cast her in more movies because she's great um yeah i mean the the story's not anything we haven't seen before um again i'm not going to go into spoilers into this because the movie's not out yet but you know good movies and people will say like, oh, well, we've seen this kind of movie before. But yeah, like, but also like if you're doing movies like this that are kind of like homages to other stuff, like I'm okay with that as long as you're executing like your style of it. So this movie has elements of heat and elements of speed and elements of like kind of like Gone in 60 Seconds with like the humor with like the cops chasing the villains. Like there's all of that mixed in like and it make it reminds you of those movies, but it's also like its own little thing. So I appreciate that stuff. So Michael Bay made it, made those elements of those movies and, you know, just bundle it all in into one and, and made it his style. Like, and that's awesome. Like, is it wholly, wholly original? No, like, but there's elements of other stuff. And I think the best movies, and I'm not saying like this is one of like the best movies ever, but it, it's entertaining enough. But the movies that are successful and can be original these days, you take elements from other movies and stuff that has worked before and you tweak it and add your own little style to it. And that's what Michael Bay does here. And I think this is going to be 
a good hit for audiences if they choose to. Now, one of the things that worries me is there's a lot of people that I've talked to, not just at work, but just in general, they're like, well, isn't this movie, isn't this a Netflix movie? I'm like, oh man, I hope we don't. I'm like, no, this is a, this is a studio movie, man. It's coming from Universal. It's got a big time director, big time movie star in it. Like, no, it's not a Netflix movie. And I will never be on the side of Netflix movies being like a real thing until like, all the movies are there, right? And we don't have movie theaters anymore. So, no, it's not a Netflix movie, folks. It's a real studio movie. And hopefully, I mean, if it doesn't have to make like $50 million opening week. And, like, I'm not asking for that. But this movie only costs $40 million to make. And that's incredible with all the practical stuff that they do here. Like, you figured it would have cost, like, millions and millions of dollars to do that. And there's movies that cost way more, like the Marvel stuff. And a lot of it is shot in a green screen. So... You know, visual effects, like, make your movie cost more, and sometimes your movies don't make make up on that budget. But here, Ambulance doesn't have to, you know, break the bank. Like, a $40 million budget, like, back in the 90s, I was like, oh, shit, a movie costs like that. Like, that's crazy. Now it's, like, nothing. So, But hopefully people turn out for it, and they can make a profit. And I'm not saying I want a sequel to Ambulance, but, you know, they could trust Michael Bay to make more movies like this and not have them go to Netflix and just... Have it be, be a big screen, uh, theater screen exclusive and an experience. Um, I saw this with a full crowd and again, it was a, a fun ride and, you know, there's laughs. There's like, oh, there's oh shit moments. So, you know, it's everything you want out of a movie theater experience. Like, you know, and you don't have to just get that with comic book movies. You can get it from an action thriller like Ambulance, which is out this Friday in theaters everywhere. I highly recommend it. Um, I won't say, I mean, I, I maybe I will after tomorrow, but there won't be an episode till next week. But I'm going to be checking out Sonic 2 in the next day or two. And, you know, hopefully that movie is good, too. And, again, there could just be variety for everything. And that's what I love. So this is one of the most more fun weekends that I'm looking forward to uh, working at a movie theater to see how both of these movies perform. And, again, I want them to both succeed. We know Sonic will probably do better just because it's a kid's movie and the first one did really well. So. It's got that going for it. Ambulance has a more uphill battle to climb. Uh, up, uphill battle, yeah, uphill battle for itself. Um, but again, it doesn't have to break the bank. If this can open to 15, 20 million and then gradually make money over time and internationally, I think it's already made like 20 million, which is not bad for a movie like that. Again, a movie like this in 1998 would have been like crushing it, right? Cause it's, that's what drives it. It's the, movie star it's the you know the flashy director from director of armageddon and bad boys you know they would totally plaster that on the trailer back in the day right for something like this the director of transformers brings you this high speed la chase that's just a wild thrill ride like that's the way they would build it but movies aren't marketed like that anymore and i wish they still were because you know just hearing something like that would be like oh shit okay let's go let me get my Ten fifty or eleven dollars and buy a ticket and support this thing. But yeah, I recommend it. You know, is it going to be everybody's cup of tea? No. Um, I think the it's got a style also where it's like very like there's the cameras moving around a lot, so that may not be for everybody. But for those of you that love your action movies that have been into Michael Bay all this time, and again, I'm not in for all of his stuff like. There's some stuff where I'm like, eh, that's too much Michael Bay for me. But this was like the right balance. But also, again, we haven't seen it that very often anymore. So it was it was refreshing 
and different. And maybe that's more what it is for me as opposed to it being like this great movie, which I'm not saying it is, but it's it was entertaining enough for me. Again, I think it's about two hours and 15 minutes or somewhere around that mark. But it didn't feel like it because it was a wild ride all the way through and entertaining for all that time. And again, Jake Gyllenhaal and Hinged and Michael Bay doing Michael Bay things. Different than a comic book movie. I'll take it. Go see it this weekend, folks. And let's take one final break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about the box office and what I expect for this weekend and what happened this past weekend with Morbius. (laughs) This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. If you listen carefully enough, the past whispers to you. We must all face the choice between what is right and what is easy. Correct. Three points to Hufflepuff. On April 15th. Yeah. Can kill Dumbledore. Yes. His pain is his power. So, this is the team that's going to take down the most dangerous wizard in over a century. Assuming you're not otherwise engaged. Discover the secrets. Grindelwald can see the future. We don't stand a chance. Of a legendary wizard. How do you confuse a guy that can see the future? You have to trust me. Our war with the muggles begins today! The secrets of Dumbledore. Jacob. Hey, it's my wizard friends. We're like this. Okay, and that's me right there. I gotta go. Rated PG-13. Welcome back to the show. Fantastic Beasts. The Secrets of Dumbledore, opening in theaters April 15th. I probably won't see that one. I'm not really big on the Harry Potter world, so I'll probably be skipping that one. Um, after Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the next thing I'll probably really want to see is, or the conversation will be, and I'll have to check it out, will be probably Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, I think, I'm pretty sure that's the next movie that, that I'm going to see. Uh, unless there's anything else in April that I, I can't think at the top of my head right now. But anyways, that comes out in two weeks. And the other one that I'm going to check out uh, probably either tomorrow or in the next day or so. Or probably might wait for my kids on that one because they're excited. Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Um, finally got to see the first one over the last week. And I bought it, right? Like, I usually don't buy movies until I see them and, you know, made me want to, like, have for rewatch and stuff like that. So I usually don't make impulse buys like that anymore. I haven't done that in forever. But Sonic the Hedgehog was the one video game character that was my favorite growing up, even though I'm like I'm not a huge video game person. But I did have a Sega Genesis growing up, so that was my go-to uh, game console. And that was the game that I always played along with, like, you know, racing games or a Mortal Kombat, you know, Street Fighter, things like that. But Sonic the Hedgehog always has a soft spot in my heart for nostalgia. So, yes, while I hadn't seen the movie, I was like, you know what, I'll buy it. And even if I don't like it, at least my kids like the movie, so I can at least have it there for their collection. But I actually ended up really enjoying the movie. I thought Jim Carrey, um, who hadn't really been in anything, you know, in a while, in something like this, like a wacky comedy um, he still got it, folks. Like, holy shit. Like, I was so impressed. It was like watching Jim Carrey in the 90s. Like, he can still do all the mannerisms. He's, his com, his brand of comedy still works, even though comedy has really evolved since all the stuff he did in the 90s. Because if you look at a lot of his movies from his filmography during that time, like anybody else doing those parts, like, it would just be a complete disaster. Like, those movies work because of his style and of his performance is why we remember them so well. And when you see him here in Sonic, while he plays the villain, he's just very highly entertaining to the point where it's like, kind of almost steals the movie, 
but uh, he does enough to not quite like distract you from you know the hero and and who what the movie is about. So I'm very interested to see if he hams it up a bit more here for the sequel, and you know with the addition of other characters like if you know the the Sonic you know mythology like Knuckles and Tails. So all this wacky stuff is going to be added on, and it looks to be more action filled than the first movie. The first movie's got some stuff, but it isn't really till the very end of the movie. So it was kind of like a Sonic Begins type thing. Uh, but now we're going to get into the real fun stuff where it's going to start to really resemble what the video games look like. So really looking forward to that this weekend. And, and let's stick with that because that is opening this weekend. And But before we get to the predictions for this weekend's box office, uh, I usually start off my shows with recaps of how the weekend went for the previous movie. But uh, the movie that opened up was Morbius, and there was all these expectations as far as like, you know, it opening up in the high fifties. Uh, ended up opening to thirty nine million, which I-, I predicted that was the high point of that. I, I think I predicted around thirty five to forty that it was going to make, and it, it did thirty nine. So right about on par with where I thought it was going to go, just based on bad early word of mouth. And the fact that there was a lot of misleading in the marketing, which I think actually ended up being true. Now, I haven't actually seen the movie itself, but there was people that were like, yeah, um, so the stuff that we saw in the trailers, none of it was in the movie. And even the director has come out and said that some of the shots that were in the trailer, he's like, well, I didn't even put that in there. Like, that must have been something on Sony's part, or I don't know what got lost in translation there, but... Clearly not a good weekend for Sony, who had really been on a super high on the second half of, of 2021, even leading into 2022, with the, the the huge success of Spider-Man No Way Home, which trickled from 2021 all the way to the early part of 2022. Again, this movie's made over like $800 million, and it's still making money. We still have it at our theaters. It's already available for digital, and it's going to be available on physical media in the next two weeks, I believe. And the thing is still like drawing people to the theater. So, you know, Sony was on such a high and I think they knew like, again, this movie was supposed to come out in January. And again, from a business standpoint, I think me, I would have left it there because it would have been writing the hive Spider-Man that people would have just, you know, whether they were going to go see Spider-Man or do like a double feature, I think it would have been like a good one, two punch for Sony. But the fact that it got delayed again, and I kept thinking, like, well, either the movie's bad or they're trying to connect it to the Spider-Man stuff, considering the huge success. But I think it was the first part where it's like they knew it was bad and they kind of wanted to distance themselves. And, you know, they kind of wanted it to start getting out there that this really has nothing to do with the Spider-Man universe that they've that they've created here uh, along with Venom. So uh, I think this thing is dead upon arrival. I think it's going to take a huge nosedive and... It made as much money as it's going to make this weekend, and I think this movie cost a little over a hundred million to make. Or actually, you know what? Let me uh, let me check the. Uh, I can look that up for you right now. I was looking at it earlier. Um, <laughs> oh man, it's definitely cost more than ambulance. And ambulance to me looked like it had a lot more stuff uh, that would have made the movie cost more. Okay, so this movie cost seventy five million to make. Um, yeah, it, I don't think it's going to hit anymore. I'm sure with like worldwide grosses, maybe it'll get there, but I don't think this movie's going to turn a profit. And I don't think there's going to be a sequel at all. So, you know, they're not all going to land. And I think also 
we have to think about like superhero fatigue a little bit at least for the stuff that's like not really known like people are always going to pop for spider-man they're always going to pop for batman or anything avengers like or connected but you know moon knight right now is on disney plus from from the mcu and that's kind of getting mixed reviews and it's kind of like eh. like i I know dr strange is going to do well but i don't think it's going to be anywhere as big as like any of the recent Marvel stuff, and, and I'm excluding like the the Avengers movies, like even you know like a Thor Ragnarok or any of the Guardians movies, or the Captain Americas or Iron Man, the solo movies. I don't even think they're going to be as big as those. I think we'll we'll start to see like the Marvel machine like get big again is probably when Thor: Love and Thunder comes out in I believe July, because Thor is one of the main. Avengers characters that got super over and you know Chris Hemsworth got big in that role so people are going to return for that uh, plus the additions of, of Christian Bale see what he's going to do there the return of Natalie Portman and you know yeah just all that and then Taika Waititi has, has built up his reputation as a, a really good director so that's where I think we'll, we'll, we'll see huge astronomical numbers for for marvel and comic book again dr strange is going to be big but uh we'll we'll see how big it's going to be because i think i really think it's not going to be as big as people are expecting it to be but again i could be completely wrong uh and again morbius is an outlier but there's got to be a little bit some of that the superhero fatigue but let's get to this weekend what do i think is going to happen obviously sonic the hedgehog 2 is going to be number one now it opened up in 2020 this was the last big blockbuster before the pandemic hit and i think it opened up to like 50 million ended up grossing 150 million probably would have hit closer to 200 if it weren't for the pandemic because it happened right after and movie theaters took like a huge nosedive and everything got delayed and nothing made money in the weeks when the when the stuff about the pandemic was hitting like our theaters were so dead and i mean i remember it was it was a dark time like it was scary like it was really Really not something that I really want to reflect on, like, years on. Like, it's a time that I really don't want to remember because it's just, it was weird and, and and very unsettling with what was, what may have or may not happen to, to our industry. So, yeah, but that was the last big one. And the reception for it was pretty good. Critically, kind of, eh, here or there, but it's a family movie. And usually when it comes to critics with that stuff, it doesn't matter because families are going to take them. And there hasn't been a big family movie since Sing 2, and that was in December. And we're now looking, and we're in the middle of April already, as a, uh, you know, almost in the middle of April. And, you know, there's families out there that are looking for something to take their kids to. And people are out comfortable going out again in, into the world and doing stuff. So I'm expecting good numbers for Sonic this weekend. Um, the high end projected is like 60 million. I can see something like that, like 60, 65. 70 million if we're lucky you know will it hit close to 100 i doubt it but you know the crazier stranger things have happened but it will definitely be number one ambulance anything for me for 15 to 20 million is a success anything below that i'm gonna be like oh man like people are gonna whiff on this and they think it's a netflix movie they think they can find it online but no folks it's a true studio movie so go check it out if you're looking for some variety, for you adults out there that think, it, oh, it's all going to be Sonic, like, no, there's a an action thriller you can go check out this weekend with Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Bay. So, um, yeah, 
I'm expecting around 50 to 20 million. That's my projection, and hopefully it comes to fruition. So it should be a good weekend in our industry, and yeah, Morbius will die off completely. It should take, I want to say, a 70, 80% drop. 80% is probably too crazy, but 70 is not out of the possibility, considering how much of a nothing it was. Um, you know, our IMAX got remodeled and it looks incredible and the sales for it were just nothing. So an ambulance is going to be an IMAX this weekend. So hopefully our audience comes out to check it out, not just the movie itself, but to see our seats and how they've been remodeled and upgraded and they look incredible. So, uh, if you're in the San Antonio area, head out to our IMAX theater, check out ambulance. You're going to get a good movie and you're going to get a good seat because everything just there has been upgraded top notch. Yeah, that's this weekend, and then um, you'll get my review of Sonic next week. Again, I'm going to probably check it out tomorrow or if not this weekend with my kids, depending on how stuff works out. Work's going to be crazy. Um, so, yeah, you'll you'll get a, an episode reviewing that movie for sure. And then after that, it's going to be kind of like a little bit maybe wait and see until Doctor Strange. But, uh, again, I think, you know, there's Fantastic Beasts, but I'm going to skip out on that. I'm not hip to the Harry Potter world, and it's, it's just not for me, and – Sometimes I'm not going to just cover movies here just to cover them. You know, it's got to be stuff that I'm invested in and, and passionate to talk about. And I feel like if I watch The Secrets of Dumbledore and not really know the history of Harry Potter, and I don't think I'll have time to catch up on, you know, there's a lot of, you know, movies to catch up on to really be invested in this world. And I, I really don't have the time right now. So I don't want to watch it, not know anything about it. If I don't like it, shit on it, but you know, not be fair to it really because I don't understand the world and I'm not passionate about it. So I won't do that to, to, to you guys, the audience. So any stuff that I, I talk about on here, it's because I want to talk about it and because I'm passionate about it. But again, I'm always open to suggestions. If you message me privately or on my social media, be like, no, Palace, you need to go see the Fantastic Beasts. You got to see all movies. I'm all for that, but there's a stuff that I, you know, I, I can be honest with myself. I'm not into everything either, but I feel I've got a bit of variety that, that for the most part I'm into, so I can bring you different stuff. You know, there's certain podcasts that I see or, you know, I see the content that they put out and it's all just superhero stuff or it's all just, you know, certain things and, you know, they don't branch out. You know, I like to do different things. Sometimes I'll, I'll make it all about football or all about wrestling or all about movies and sometimes I'll sprinkle in TV and, uh, yeah, there's got to be variety. At least that's what I want in the show. I want there to be variety on different things. But, you know, I have to be passionate about it also. So sorry for those of you that are – I don't know how much there is, but if there is an audience out there expecting me to review Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, it's, sorry, folks. It's probably not going to happen. But anyways, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate it so much. You can follow on all the socials. I do share this podcast link through Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram through podbean.com. You can download the app, or if you're an Apple person, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave me that five-star review, all the constructive criticism, good or bad. doesn't matter. Um, I'll have this up posted for you very soon. You can download, listen to where you're at work or at the gym or however you listen to your podcast. But thank you guys so much. Take care. And God bless.